24. I thought it appropriate all the attention given to Jesus today um, that our new Sunday school material for the next quarter is the rescue begins and it's all about Jesus. Someone asked me up in the hallway today, Kevin, what are you going to be preaching on? And I said, Jesus. <laughs> and I wasn't kidding because my message title is, It's All About Jesus. Casting Crowns, the music group, has a song entitled, All Because of Jesus. I would sing it, but you would run out of the building. So, the words of the chorus are, It's all because of Jesus I'm alive. It's all because the blood of Jesus Christ that covers me and raised this dead man's life. It's all because of Jesus I'm alive. You know, there's a lot of truth in those words, isn't there? The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, he would write to the Ephesians, he said, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And then he would say in verses 4 and 5, But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love that He has for us, made us alive with the Messiah, even though we were dead in our trespasses. So it's all because of Jesus that I'm alive. Can you say that with me today? It's all because of Jesus that I'm alive. But I want to try to answer quickly today, why? Why is that? Why is it all because of Jesus that I'm alive? And I want us to see quickly today that uh, it's all about Jesus, it's all on Jesus, and it's all in Jesus. It's all because of Jesus that I'm alive. But I want us to see today that it's all about Jesus, it's all on Jesus, and it's all in Jesus. And it truly is all because of Jesus that I'm alive. So in Luke chapter 24, if you'll read with me, just to give us a little context in verse 1, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb bringing the spices that they had prepared. So where are we? We're at the resurrection. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and they went in, but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood uh, by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? asked the men. He is not here. He's been resurrected. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee? saying, The Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, and then be crucified and rise on the third day. And then they remembered his words. Now jump down to verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, I thought that sounded like some Baptist I know, Jesus Himself came near and began to walk along with them. So get this picture. These two disciples, followers of Jesus, had watched everything transpire there in Jerusalem over these days. They're walking back to their village. They're discussing all the things that had taken place. The Bible says even arguing about what had taken place. And Jesus Himself comes near and begins to walk with them. But they were prevented from recognizing Him. That's interesting, isn't it? They were prevented 
from recognizing him at this moment. They didn't recognize him. Then he asked them, what is this dispute that you're having with each other as you're walking? And the Bible says they stopped and they looked discouraged. The one named Cleopas answered, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened here in these days? Notice what Jesus says. What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus, the Nazarene. Now, who were, who were they talking to? The things concerning Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people and how our chief priests and our leaders had handed Him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified Him. But we were hoping that He was the one that was about to redeem Israel. Well, that gives us some insight, doesn't it? Besides all this, it's the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was actually alive. Some of those who were there with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. So Jesus says to them, the two, walking to Emmaus, He says, how unwise and slow you are to believe in your hearts all that the prophets have spoken. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and the prophets. Don't miss that. That's so important. Beginning with Moses and the prophets. He began to interpret for them the things concerning Himself in all the Scriptures. They came near the village where they were going, and He gave the impression that He was going to go further. But they urged Him, stay with us because it's almost evening. The day is almost over. So He went in to stay with them. And it was while He reclined at the table with them that He took the bread, He blessed it, and He broke it, and He gave it to them, and then their eyes were open, And they recognized Him, but He disappeared from their sights. Now, if we were to keep reading, they go back to Jerusalem. These two uh, disciples leave right then, right there. They go back to Jerusalem to tell the others about the news. And when they get there, they're in the room and they're telling the others that they had walked and talked with Jesus, that He had actually come to their house. But I want you to see verse 44 and 45 again. Then he told them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So did you catch the difference this time? Not just Moses, that would be the law. Not just the prophets, that would be all of the prophets and prophecies. But now Jesus said even the Psalms were all about who? They were all about Jesus. They were Jesus would fulfill the, the law of Moses. He would fulfill the things that the prophets had said. He would fulfill the things that the Psalms would talk about. Then He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. Folks, I, the one point I want to make here is that it's all about Jesus. From beginning to end, our Bibles are all about Jesus. They point to the Son of God, Jesus. 
Dr. Adrian Rogers said one time, he said, you could cut the Bible anywhere and it will bleed. The blood of Jesus stains every page. I love that so much, I'm going to tell it to you again. Dr. Adrian Rogers said, you can cut the Bible anywhere and it will bleed. The blood of Jesus stains every page. It's all about Him. That's what Jesus was telling those two disciples. All the way back to Moses. All the way back to the prophets. All the way back to the Psalms. Everything in this Word is about Jesus, the Son of God. You know, when He was talking to the disciples and He began to interpret for them the things written in the prophets and in the law and in the Psalms about Himself, have you ever stopped to wonder what He talked to them about? I wonder if He took them to Genesis chapter 3 and said, you know, after Adam and Eve sinned, and they recognized their nakedness, and they began to try to cover themselves with leaves, fig leaves, God provided a better covering. But it was through skins, and it was through death, and it was through the blood. And you know there's no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. I wonder if Jesus took them to Genesis 3. I wonder if Jesus took them to the story of Joseph and said, you know, Joseph would be betrayed by his brothers and he would be sold into slavery and he would be accused of wrongdoing and yet God used all these actions of others to put Joseph in just the right position where he would ultimately be able to save his family from starvation and death. I wonder if Jesus said, I'm a type of Joseph, or Joseph's a type of me, or I'm, represent, I'm represented there in the story of Joseph. Maybe he pointed to Exodus chapter 12 and the Passover lamb. Or maybe he took him to Isaiah 53 and said, I'm the suffering servant. Or maybe he took him to Psalms 22 and said, I'm the Messiah that Psalms 22 talks about. I don't know where Jesus took him. But Jesus interpreted the Bible for them and He took them to the Law of Moses. He took them to the Prophets. He took them to the Psalms. Why? Because it's all about Jesus. Not only is it all about Jesus, but I want you to see in Numbers chapter 21, if you'll turn there, Numbers chapter 21, that it's all on Jesus. It's not just all about Jesus. Everything, it's all on Jesus uh, in Numbers chapter 21 and verse 4, we begin reading about the children of God. Then they set out from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to bypass the land of Edom. But the people became impatient because of the journey. The people spoke against God and Moses and said, Why have you led us up from Egypt to die in the wilderness? Have you heard that before? There is no bread and there is no water and we detest this wretched food. Now, who are they talking to? They're complaining to who? Moses, but also to God. Notice in verse 6 what God does to this whining group of people. Y'all read verse 6 with me. I want you to see it with your own eyes. Then the Lord sent poisonous snakes among His people, and they bit them so that many Israelites died. You think God had enough? The people then came to Moses and said, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Oh, Moses, would you intercede with the Lord so that He will not 
so that He will take the snakes away from us. And so Moses interceded on behalf of the people. And this is what the Lord said to Moses. Moses, make a snake image. Make a snake image and mount it to a pole. Make a snake image, mount it to a pole. And when anyone who is bitten looks at it, he will recover or be healed. So Moses made a bronze snake. He mounted it to the pole, just as God said. And whenever someone was bitten, if he looked at the bronze snake, he recovered. He was healed. Now, folks, I don't know about you, but the only kind of snake that I like is what kind of snake? That's the only snake I like. And I'm telling you, if you and I were at the zoo today, I'm not so scared of the snake exhibit that I wouldn't be in there with you. But I guarantee you, if something happened to one of those cages, I'm pushing you out of my way. And I'm getting out of there as quick as I can. I don't like snakes. I like dead snakes. Now, folks, have you ever stopped to think about what God asked the people to do? Because they were whining, because they were complaining, because of their bad attitude and their ungratefulness to all that God had given to them, God allowed poisonous snakes to come into their camp and to bite them. To literally bite them. And many of them died. The Bible says many of the Israelites died. But when Moses made the image of a snake and he mounted it to a pole... And he said, if you will look at the snake, you will live. I've often thought, how cruel was that of God? To make them look at the very thing that had bitten them. But until you realize who that snake on the pole is, you don't realize how merciful God has been to you. And you know, I didn't want to believe that that snake on the pole represented Jesus. But in John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. Now don't miss this. They had to look at the snake. Why? Because the snake is what had bitten them. And they had to look at the snake in order to be healed. Guess what the Bible tells us? First of all, for all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all been bitten. Romans 6.23, the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Isaiah 53, verse 6, we all like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned to our own wicked ways. But the Lord laid upon Him the iniquity of us all. The sins of us all. He laid it upon Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. God made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us in order that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. God made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us. You see what happened there? Jesus, when He died on the cross, folks, yes, He was dying because God loved us. But I want you to understand, He was dying for something too. He was dying for our sin 
And the Bible actually alludes that He became sin in the moment that He died in my and your place. And therefore, it makes a whole lot more sense to me in Isaiah 53.10, yet the Lord was pleased to crush Him severely. You ever wondered why that's in there? Why would the Lord be pleased to crush His Son severely? Why? Because at that moment, guess who Jesus represented? He represented our sin. He died for our sin. Jesus was the snake mounted on a pole that if anyone would look to Him and look with their eyes and see that they are sinful before holy God and that they're in need of a Savior. If you'll look to the cross and look to Jesus, the Bible says you'll be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Listen, it's all about Jesus. It was all placed on Jesus. And then finally, I'll share with you some good news. It's all in Jesus. Turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. We just read verses 14 and 15. Just as Moses was lifted up, Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. Roman, uh, John 3.16, the most popular verse in all of God's Word. Let's say it together. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him would not perish, but have eternal life. You know what? John 3.16 It's probably the most popular verse in all of the Bible. I'll tell you this. I just have a hunch that John 3, 17 and 18 and 19 and following are probably the least read verses in all of God's Word. You know why? Because our tendency is to stop there in John 3, 16. Read with me in John 3, 17 and following. Some good words. For God did not send His Son into the world that He might condemn the world... That's not why God sent His Son, to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. That's the hope. That's the intention. That the world would be saved through Jesus. Look at verse 18. Anyone who believes in Him is not condemned. So if you believe in Him, you're not condemned. But keep reading. But anyone who does not believe is already condemned. Why? Because he's not believed in the name of the Son of God, the one and only Son of God. So if you believe, you're not condemned. But if you don't believe, you're already condemned. Paul will go on to say the same thing in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. But if you're not in Christ Jesus, you're already condemned. You're already condemned to death. You're already condemned to hell. You're already condemned to your father, the devil, because you do not belong to Jesus. But if you believe in Jesus, you're no longer condemned, but you're saved. Keep reading. Verse 19, this is the judgment. Light has come into the world. The people love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. For everyone who practices wicked things hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light 
so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. It's all about Jesus. It's all on Jesus. And listen, it's all in Jesus. A few weeks ago, our Louisiana Baptist Convention had their uh, evangelism conference up in Ruston and Y'all know I work for the company Lifeway. I'm a rep in Louisiana and I visit with ministers all day long. That's part of my job. And and I have about 250 to 300 churches that I call on. And I try to get to know these guys and I try to serve them well. And uh, at lunch that day, I was invited by a friend of mine that had become the campus pastor for Celebration Church in Baton Rouge. Now, Celebration Church is a large church down in the New Orleans area. I've had a hard time getting to know those guys. And so with this new inroad with a friend of mine who's the campus pastor in Baton Rouge, he invited me to come to lunch with a few of their pastors, their campus pastors. And so, man, I jumped on that and I said, all right, thank you, God. This is going to give me an inroad and I'll get to know these guys. And so we went to lunch. And as we were getting out of the car, I had met... um, of course, my friend, and then there were three other gentlemen, and I was telling them what I do and who I was as their Lifeway rep. And so as we're getting out of the car, I make this comment that, hey guys, I'll tell you what, I'm going to buy your lunch today. So I've offered to buy lunch. Now we go into the restaurant, and it's one of these ordering restaurants. You go up to the order, and, uh, and I reach back here, and there's nothing there. <laughs> now some would argue that. But uh, but there's nothing there in my pocket. And uh, I'm dying. I'm dying. I've just offered to buy four guys lunch as their Lifeway rep. And I have nothing. And I had made a note to myself, Self, if you go anywhere from the evangelism conference, you need to go buy your car first because you had left your wallet in the car and I didn't do it. And so, man, it was so embarrassing. I had to tell my friend, I said, uh, Adam, I said, I am so sorry. I said, I do not have any, I, I, I left my wallet in my car. And you know, they ribbed me, they ribbed me. They said, oh yeah, that's every preacher's trick in the book. And one guy even accused me of having alligator arms. You've seen the commercial, the Geico commercial, alligator arms. And folks, as painful as that was, and I got through it, they bought, they bought my lunch. <laughs> it's a painful reminder to me that the truth of the matter is I have nothing to give. When it comes to my salvation and my forgiveness of sins and my eternity in heaven, I have nothing to give. I'm bankrupt. I'm empty. There's nothing Our righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags before holy God. You have nothing to bring to the table. And unless Jesus would have, if He wouldn't have said, I got this, there would be no hope for you and me. But in our moment of desperation, Jesus said, I've got it. I've got this. And He went to the cross and He took our place. And He paid for our sin in order that we might have life in Him. Would you bow your heads?
Close your eyes. Father, it's all because of Jesus that I'm alive. It's all because of Jesus that any of us are alive. Father, today we're reminded that it's all about Jesus. We're reminded that it was all on Jesus. And we're reminded today that it's all in Jesus. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is truly sinking sand. What do you need to do today, folks? You need to accept the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Have you been here today and you've wondered why we're doing the Lord's Supper? Why are we singing about the blood? Why are we talking about this Jesus? It's because He loved you. And He went to the cross to show you how much He loves you. If you'll bow your knee and you'll bow your heart and you'll surrender your life and you'll confess Him as God and believe in your heart that He raised God raised Him from the dead, Bible says you will be saved. You could walk out of here. A new creation of God today. Christian, how are we doing on sharing the message of Christ? This glorious hope that we have. Are we sitting on it? Or are we sharing it? I have to answer. You have to answer. We have the greatest news. We're going to have to answer before God one day. What do we do with it? You pray and do business with God as well, okay? This time of invitation is for you. You do business with the Lord, however He leads. Just know our staff is here. We'll be willing to help you any way we can. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Jesus Thank you for our Savior. Thank you for the blood. Thank you, God, for loving us in spite of our sin. Father, we're nothing without you. I pray today that your Holy Spirit will do work in this building, in hearts and lives. Draw those who need you for salvation. Father, convict and change those that need to change their ways. Holy Spirit, do your work in this place is our prayer. In Jesus' name, would you stand? Oh, Lord,